0: Thank you. Good morning. We're going to talk a little bit today about uh, uh, God's priorities for nature, the environment, mankind, things like that. Um, we, uh, Abe and I, Abe, it was Abe's joke, but it was funny that uh, we were talking about Romans 8, about the promises God has for the future. There, The, the, the creation that right now groans in expectation and uh, the promises that God has for a renewed creation, a renewed uh, heaven and earth. And uh, Abe was saying it's uh, God's new Green Deal, you know, that, uh, given the current flavor and trend of politics. And uh, so we, we thought, as we just briefly mentioned, that it would be worth talking about what uh, is really, uh, to some degree or other, uh, and I'm sure all of us have particular issues where we're concerned about the uh, environmental issues that we have because that there would be a, a, a some who feel one strongly about one thing or another. And uh, so my intention is... Not to inflame the emotions or the politics of the crowd. Now that may be the the uh, the, the, the real challenge in uh, bringing a, a message is not to that, but to to talk about some of God's priorities in these things from what we see in the Scripture. And then again, I'll try to take uh, any questions that people have. I'll try to take any questions people have as we go through the through the process. So um, let's just open in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for the the beauty of what you've created and. Uh, just the uh, example of your handiwork that we see there, and uh, you know, we know that you delight in it, and I just pray you'd help us to understand, and understand your word, and understand uh, your priorities in these things. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk a little bit today, Just, to, and I don't know that we'll, I, I, we will never, my intention is not to talk about the politics of the, the, the New Green Deal one way or the other. I have no, I, yeah, I'm not sure it won't come up. I'm not sure that it won't come up, but it's not my intention to talk about that, so uh, it was just a... A joke, a humorous joke, given the fact that God's promise to us is so, so beautiful. And then in the current vernacular, that's the, the, what's being talked about. So I wanted to um, give you four different priorities of God, and I will and then go through them. Uh, the, uh, uh, the beauty of creation, the beauty of what God's created. Uh, the provision for the uh, animals and is God's care for natural creatures. Uh, his comfort and provision for mankind, for their comfort, for their enjoyment, for their pleasure, for their provision, and lastly, the salvation of sinners. And uh, those are four topics that are, at, uh, the Bible I think is pretty clear about the priority of these four items, but they're all, uh, they all kind of relate to why, why do we see a... Um, why did God subject the world to frustration? that's what we looked at last week in Romans eight. It says that God subjected it to frustration. He subjected it to corruption, He subjected it to death and dying. He subjected it to this agony, this uh, this struggle, this longing to be free to one day be free that's the creation that's the natural order He subjected to this frustration and I think when we look at the priorities God has, uh, we will see um, uh, we'll see that in parts uh, why, why he did that so. The, uh, I just wanted to read a couple verses, and then talk about it a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, does God care? Does God care about the natural beauty of creation? And uh, I would say, um, you know, from the very beginning, Genesis two nine says, "And the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for few, good for food." So He made the creation to be pleasing to the eye, and I think that uh, there's none of us who don't agree that God intended for creation to be beautiful and that creation itself is beautiful and that God wants it to be that way. There's a, there's a lot of verses that uh, refer to that, that uh, 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 he refers to, you know, he refers to, uh, I'm going to have to flip to a number of verses here. As I, was, I, was, I was struck, all right, let's ask a question. How many other verses, that was one I gave you, how many other verses can you think of that talk about God's delight and the natural beauty of the earth—a few rolling eyes, a few looking up to the ceiling, a few searching of minds. There are, but you—you you must confess that they don't readily. A list doesn't readily jump to your mind. We read uh, Isaiah 35 last week, and God talks about the restoration of the land, the, the the desert blooming, and those things. And probably, if I were looking for a few, I'd start. I'd start there in Isaiah. That's a beautiful passage. I can think of a. I could think of a couple others I could touch on, but it kind of had to. I kind of had to search the scriptures in order to find a list of things. This is Psalm 19, talking about the beauty of uh, the heavens and the sun and that how it rejoices. You know, really, a picture of, of Jesus Christ coming forth, the champion coming forth from his pavilion, rejoicing to run his course. I mean, but, the, but actual God's delight and the natural beauty. Uh, does anyone have a verse besides the Isaiah? So the laws of the field. So that, the, the beauty of that, the beauty of the fields. He said, "the, the uh, uh, that's on about just the natural beauty of the flowers that show forth." That's excellent. We got one Is it a 66? about name of verse, the name a topic, a piece of that, one sentence from it. The lion and the lamb shall lie down that's uh, that, that's the care of the animals. That's uh, topic two. But just the natural beauty of creation. Sorry not to put that off, but it, there's a. Your know, mind for him, the Son of Man, that you care for him. Thought I consider the, the stars the work of your hands. So, the natural beauty of the heavens, again. Yeah. So, I, as we, we, I think some probably, are, I would be kind of scratching my head as I go through the scriptures. I, have to, I flip through page after page trying to find however many I could. And I've got a couple here, so let's look at them and then uh, kind of think about them. But the, 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 the point I would tell you is God does care about natural beauty. And we, we resonate that with that in our heart. When we, how many don't? You must be hard of heart. If you don't look at something that's beautiful that God's created and not have that uh, open your heart or your mind, it, we, we it must it must stir your heart when we see the mountains or the rivers. I, 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 how many people have a computer in your house, and how many have a Windows now shows you uh, little pictures. Now, uh, when you turn on your computer, the screensaver is now always the picture on my computer, all my computers. Uh, how many of those pictures are of a garbage dump? Or a, a a a scow bringing sludge up the river and docking at Hudson Bay uh, East Side, or uh, uh, docking uh, Gary, Indiana, and the sunset, <laughs> South Side Detroit on a sunny day. You know, uh, uh, you don't get those. What do we? What's what is 90% of those pictures? Probably well, 90% of the pictures I see. Uh, what are they? What are, what? Natural beauty. Yeah, the God's creation. It's almost. The vast majority. Sometimes you see a city or a city part of the natural beauty scene, you know, whatever. But the, I'd say the vast majority of them seem to be uh, mountains and streams and trees, and and, and that, that's why. Why is that? Because we do, we do as human beings appreciate God's natural beauty. We do, and uh, and God does. God does. But let's, we have to look at that. So I found a few other verses that I would just like to uh, read here. Uh, Psalm. Well, I wanted to make. I'll come back to that. Uh, uh, Psalm 104, uh, verse 10, he makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to the beasts of the field, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters, and they sing among the branches, and the wa- the wa- he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. And uh, Psalm 107, uh, he turned the desert into pools of water, and the parched ground into flowing springs. And there he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city where they could settle. Uh, Isaiah 35, we read that last week. uh, The desert and the parched land will be glad, and the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Uh, Psalm 60, uh, sorry, Isaiah 60. I had verse 13. The glory of Lebanon will come to us, the pine and the fir and the cypress together. And then uh, other verses we can mention. The, uh, the one thing I noticed, I, it was the, I noticed the, the uh, conspicuous lack of a large number of verses drawing our attention to, to the importance of the beauty of nature. I, I noticed that. I also noticed that the, the majority of those verses I stopped reading. I stopped reading the verse. Of course I stopped reading. you saying, John, we'd all noticed you stopped reading. But I stopped reading before I read the next part. And most of those verses, the next part talks about the beauty of what mankind has done on the earth, and its provision for mankind. The majority of those, he talks about the fact that this creation provides for mankind. I stopped reading it, but the majority of those verses talk about how God's beautiful creation provides for mankind. And so, uh, um, uh, and what's, uh, what's the, uh, the last point I'd make on that? Two other points. He refers to the, uh, the beauty of creation in terms of uh, an, an analogies to individual people. Three or four times I found a reference in the Old Testament to the strength of a human being in moral character to a great tree. And uh, you know the, 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 uh, they're like trees planted beside the water that yields its fruit in season, Psalm 1 and others. That, that something great and natural in beauty and strength is God's picture to us of what the, a righteous man is in difficult circumstances. He doesn't give way before the, before the difficulties. He stands his ground. We see that, again, presented in different ways in the New Testament. So I, I, my, my point number one, and again, I'll take anyone who disagrees with me, I just don't find a priority in God's word on the beauty of nature. Though our hearts long for it, and God promises it to us, and our hearts long for that day, it's not first in his priority. Hmm. Good. Good answer. Hmm. We. 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 I, I'll, be, I'll take your. I'll take your disagreements with me on that. No one disagrees. No one wants to dare to. But I just don't see it. And, uh, Absolutely. I agree, absolutely. And he puts it in our hearts. Our hearts long for that beauty. I'm not disputing that. And I'm not disputing the value of stewardship. I'm not disputing the value of caring for it. I'm not disputing any of those things. But I would say that, the, that higher than God's care for the beauty of the world is his care and provision for the animals. Okay, he says that. And so how much does God care for the animals? Can anyone give me a verse? The
1: sparrow is not concerned.
0: Yeah, the sparrow. He, the Heavenly Father feeds them. You know, they don't sow a reap, a store away in barns, but God provides for the sparrows of the field.
1: I think the earth's beauty is just, it, it, it's a tool that God uses to draw us from. I mean, when we, as a believer in the house, we made that connection with beauty as we seen in the Rocky Mountains or Grace, you, know, you know, even in our entertainment, even in ski slopes, or as we have been overseas or whatever, you take great god rides or whatever, you look in the mountains and you just, you can be in awe of God. You can look yeah, look at the earth as, enjoy its beauty, but, it's a
0: tool of <laughs> and it does. It, the, the beauty of the nature points to God. It's clear that the created things point to the fact that there is a God, and it it, is, it stirs our hearts. I don't I don't mean to minimize that. I just, I, as Phil said, I want to kind of show what I think God's priorities are. So there's there's a half dozen verses that talk about God's provision for the animals that I could find. Uh, yeah. You know, the righteous man cares for the needs of his animals. You know, God provides for the sparrows. He watches over in Job. He watches over the things that the natural creatures do and others we could find, that God, God wants the animals to be cared for. He does, and he, he cares for them. But if you stretch your mind and look through the Scriptures, you, you have to say, hmm, I don't, don't see that as a priority. What would, <laughs> I'll say this humorously, but it's true. Uh, what is the primary purpose of animals in the Bible that we see more, uh, more hundreds of times? Work. Sacrifice. Work. Work. Food. food. That's it. One, two, and three. If you look at the number of references to the animals and the creatures that God's given, it's work, food, and sacrifice. That they have a purpose. And they have a purpose to serve uh, mankind and, the, and God's purposes. That's what they were created for. He does care for them. It's not, uh, he says he does. He says it. He doesn't have to say 500 times that he cares for them. But he does care for them. But his priority is on the, on the creation. Is that God set the creation up to serve mankind. That's clear. And if you, the third point I would make, and we're almost done with our four points, so we'll have plenty of time to discuss this at the end, is God's provision for mankind, okay? The, the God's description of the beauty of creation, the, most of the references I found in the Old Testament, I can read a few of them here in a second. Most of the references I found in the beauty of creation is in its provision for mankind. So let's... Uh, what is, the, what is the beauty that he holds out before the people of Israel of the promised land? It's a land of milk and honey. That, I mean, that's probably maybe 15 times, 10, 15 times. He promises them. It's a bountiful land. You'll have plenty to eat. You'll have plenty of provision. He, when, when those verses I stopped at where he described the natural beauty, if you follow on, it says, He provides grain on the fields and grass for the flocks. He, he, and, and spacious land. It's a beautiful land. It provides for you. And we... we... All right, so uh, Genevieve, she's not here today. She's organizing the camping trip, right? There'll be plenty of natural beauty on that camping trip. There'll, there'll be mosquitoes. There'll be, there'll be ants. Uh, there'll be birds probably nesting in the trees over our heads. Uh, you know... On our picnic, over our picnic tables. Uh, there'll be uh, uh, bugs. What else do we have out there? Probably worms on the ground. We'll maybe find a snake or two. Who knows? It'll be plenty of natural beauty. Um, I, I didn't see the list of Genevieve's camping trip. Extremely long. And how many of us, how many of us are going to uh, go on that camping trip and, uh, and sleep on the ground uh, without a bat and maybe pull some pine needles over us to keep warm at night? I'm bringing the tent or the camper or something because I'm not going to leave civilization uh, behind me. So I always say that because uh, not all of you signed up for the camping trip to enjoy God's natural beauty. We we'd comfortably enjoy it. I've, I've driven by Winton Woods many times, and I, 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 and I look at it and I say, well, oh, I wonder why I have never once in my entire life seen anybody walking in the woods at Winton Woods. I've seen thousands of people on the trails I, have, I always look at the woods as I go by it's like oh, all these beautiful little hills in fact it's kind of open compared to uh, many woods that I see that it's actually kind of open in the woods some of the others are just thickets and you can never walk through it but Winton Woods it's actually kind of open how, has anybody ever seen anybody walking through the you've seen somebody I've seen, okay. I want that too uh, how, how many people have you seen Was it your kids you've seen your own kids you kick them off the trail and then go run in the woods Backyard, in your backyard, you've seen this. That's, not, that's pleasantly close to civilization. Many uh, of my kids have gone in the woods of our backyard. Our backyard woods is about uh, 600 square feet or something. You could, uh, you could fit it in these first three rows here. Uh, but the kids played a lot of time in the woods. But how many of you have ever seen... The, the, I only say that because our, our hearts are drawn to a, a join, the, join the beauty of God's creation. They really are from a comfortable distance, like the air-conditioned car... The paved trail, right? I mean, you go to the woods. I go, to, I go uh, to Yellowstone, and I see people walking on the trails, you know? There's a beautiful swamp out there, and the moose are in it, and the elk are in the swamp. And uh, I've never seen anyone walking through a swamp. I was forced to when I went on a high road at Wheaton to walk through the swamps and uh, uh, I can't say that. It's a great experience. I'd be glad to tell you how I walked through the swamps of uh, upper Michigan. But believe me, uh, the trail was far more uh, liking to my let's put 12 miles in today on a trail, not 12 miles today through the swamps. Uh, So I say that only because I know just our practical life makes the very same decision about God's beauty. We enjoy it, but we also enjoy the comfort and provision that God makes. And God really cares about the provision of mankind. You can't read the Old Testament. You know, when Jesus comes on the earth, he cares about the health, the sickness, and the suffering of humanity. He cares about that. Absolutely, God cares about the provision for mankind. And the, uh, uh, all right, let's see. The beauty of the eternal state, the last two chapters of Revelation. What is the beauty that God describes to, to catch our hearts? What is he describing there? Heaven. Our eternity with God. And what are some of the things that God describes in there for us to, to entice our hearts? Walls of Jasper. Walls of, Jasper. Walls of what? Stone. What are the walls of, though? What are, what are the walls? What are, they, what are they referring to? What are walls around? City. A city. Okay? The primary focus in there is the presence with God. The light of eternity, always the light of His presence. That's that is the that is what our hearts are drawn to. That we're, we'll be with God. There's no temple because God's there. There's no temple. The land, and the light is coming from God and from the Lamb. And it's just a it, it's beautiful, but it's a city. It's a city. God's promising a city that's that's a phenomenal beauty, and. It it strikes me that we as humanity, and we prefer to live together in groups. We really do. I I know you may say, man, I wish I had five acres out in the uh, past um, 40 miles from now. You want to get five acres 40 miles from here, 80 miles from here. It's not that hard to do. You can do it. But, uh, you know, there's a a lot of... Why why do we want that five acres? I would like to put a pickup truck over there and pull the camper over here and maybe have a place for a garden. You you can do the stuff you can't do on my one-eighth of an acre... Maybe it's a quarter acre, my very small little lot. I can't, couldn't ever put a camper on it. I couldn't put a, I, My garden is about the size of one of these rows of pews here. Uh, uh, you know, I can't throw forty acres of beans. Not that I would ever want to, but <laughs> I, I can't do that. And so you think of this, the wide open space you'd like to have, but the you know, uh, the, the America is very different, fundamentally different than the rest of the world and the way we do our our society. The the Homestead Act in the eighteen uh, hundreds said if you go out there and live on this. Quarter sector of land, it's yours. You can go out there and have it. So everybody had to go and live on their own personal quarter sector of land. So if you drive out the west, the farmland, you'll see you know, these quarter sectors and there's a house on it. Now maybe there's two or three now, but there's a house and another quarter sector and a house. That was the result of a law that was made in the United States that you could have that piece of land if you went and lived on it. But you go to the rest of the world, very, very rarely do people historically live on a big patch of land and have their neighbors quarter mile away, half a mile away. The vast majority of the world lives in a village. And around that village are the fields, and you walk the quarter mile out to your field, particular field, do the work for the day, and walk back into the village where the people are. That's just the way humanity is, 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 is geared, the way he created us, that we like to live in societies and groups. And the promise of God in the future and throughout the scriptures is you'll have a, you'll have a city, you'll have a place to be, and it'll be peaceful. I mean, the reason we don't live in downtown uh, South Detroit, where there's uh, plenty of open space, um, is, yeah, or uh, other areas of the city we around here, we say, boy, I live out in the suburbs and oftentimes it's just, you know, I have a more peaceful life. Some of these inner city areas we'd, like, we like feel we feel at risk. And God's promise in the future is a city where there's peace, in the, both in the millennial kingdom that he's promised and in heaven. That there'll be a city where we can live together with other people and have peace. That's the way God has made humanity, to live together in groups. It is. And, and we see that in the way it practically works out in the the human existence and our longing. So I would put a priority on those first three things, is that God really cares about natural beauty. He really does. And he desired mankind to enjoy it. He designed us. He he made it beautiful. And he wants us to enjoy it. He cares about the creatures he created. He really cares about them. And he wants them to not suffer. And he wants them to have uh, life. But he made the creatures for man's man's purposes, both for his enjoyment and for the work. And then uh, the food is a result of the fall and the... uh, the subsequent actions there, and the sacrifice the same way. But he made them for mankind's benefit and mankind's blessing. And then he cares about the provision for mankind more than he cares about the environment and the natural beauty. He cares about providing for mankind. That is much more important to him than the natural beauty or the animals. It just That's what I see in Scripture. But more than any of those, more than any of those, God cares about the salvation of humanity. That is the... You know, Jesus was offered uh, three temptations in the wilderness. What are the three temptations that uh, Jesus was offered? Stones bread. Turn stones into bread. <laughs> fall, down fall down and worship me. And the what did God? What did say, God, What did Satan? What did Satan promise Jesus if he would fall down and worship me? Jesus. All the kingdoms of the world. Jesus Christ was offered. In the wilderness, you can establish your kingdom right now. You really want people to have be provided for? You want things to be beautiful? You want things to be perfect and just and fair? You can have it all right now. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me. You shall worship God alone. The, uh, the, He was promised all these three things. And he chose to reject it all. He, no 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 confusion there. He chose to reject it all because that was not the purpose. First of all, the, uh, he was not going to bow down to Satan. But secondly, the purpose he came was the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for sin so that we could be saved. And uh, let's just uh, search our minds. We, we scratched our head a little bit. I think most of us did. I know I can only come up with a couple out of, out of my hand when I out of hand, when I was thinking about the natural beauty of the earth and God's care for it, delight in it. And, uh, but how many, uh, um, how many times did God afflict the natural beauty in order for redemptive purposes? Not just including the one at creation, after creation, when man falls and he subjects it to frustration. But think in the Old Testament. Can you give me some examples where God afflicted Noah, Noah completely destroys the face of the entire earth. When, he, when the dove he releases comes back with a little twig, and he knows that the, the earth is being starting to grow again. There's nothing living on the earth. Everything that has uh, the breath of life in its nostrils is destroyed, except for those that were with Noah in the ark. We pour a small what? When the, when the earth opens up and takes, uh, the earthquake takes Korah and his uh, um, fault. No, it was actually Dathan, Abraham, uh, and uh, uh, what's the third one there? Dathan, Abraham, and it opens up the earth and swallows them in Korah's rebellion. Crucifixion. The earthquaking, the, the crucifixion. What are the amount of times that God afflicts the earth and people and things suffer? Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, the city, the. the When uh, Abraham and Lot are looking down from the the top of the ridge there, and they're looking down towards the valley, what was the description of the Valley of Sodom? It was green and beautiful, like the Garden of God. And what does it become after the uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? A a barren plain, a barren plain of of uh, of, a wasteland. Perfect. There are so many examples. We can can easily come up with examples. The the plagues of Egypt, I think I heard. I probably heard the famines in the times of the. Of how many times do we have famines in the Old Testament? You know, the Book of Ruth describes them going down to Judges, uh, down to Moab because of a a famine in the time of the Judges. We hear of uh, uh, the what? Ezekiel Ezekiel, the uh, Elijah. Elijah, Yeah, there will not be. There won't even be rain. Except at my word, and for the next two and a half years. So it didn't rain for a total of three years. So probably he's coming after six months and no rain. For three years, no rain in Israel. That, you know, the devastation is tremendous. And Why is God doing this? And why is he afflicting all three of those things that we said are important to God? The natural beauty, the animals and the natural, natural creatures, and the provision of mankind. Why is he bringing these things? He tells us so many times to get our attention, to, to turn us away from sin, to turn us to him, to turn, bring us to salvation. As, as Phil said, the purpose of the Bible is redemptive. God's purposes are redemptive. And it's not that God doesn't care about those first three things. But you have to put a priority on what God wants to do. God wants us to be with him. He wants us to be free from sin. He wants us to be with him for all of eternity. That's what he wants. He wants us. He wants us. And though he loves the natural beauty, and I, I can't... We are created in his image. If we, if we, all of us, are drawn to that, even, even Microsoft recognizes that we're drawn to natural beauty and not to their computer. You know, If their computer shows us natural beauty, we're, we're more likely to buy Windows software because the pictures are of, of mountain streams and, uh, and alpine slopes and, uh, uh, and uh, drawn to that. If even Microsoft can recognize that, that's not too hard to recognize it, that. but that's what they bring us on their screensaver. You don't want to see a, a, a picture of a of mankind 's destruction or of the, of the environment you don 't want to see a, a house or something. A few of them have buildings in them, but usually it 's a beautiful the building's in some bucolic scene of of uh, pastoral lands and and uh, mountains edges or something like that so uh, i 'm going to take some questions now as we talk about this so uh, in my, my own particular uh, uh, environmental issue has been uh, in my personal life has been uh, clean water. I, I just I used to go hiking in, in the White Mountains of uh, of New Hampshire, and we uh, we'd uh, we drink from the mountain and streams, and uh, the water was always clear. You can go to uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, and you could uh, you could go out to the pretty far out in the lake, and you could see the bottom, you know, all the way through the water. You could see uh, very deep, and you could see the shape of the stones down the bottom of the of uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, just clean and clear. And that's what I was brought up with. I lived near the Merrimack River, which was one of the top ten most polluted rivers in America when I was growing up. But when I went to, when I went to the White Mountains of uh, New Hampshire, it's just like I could drink from... I don't even have to carry a canteen. I, could, I would hike without even a canteen. I would, I'd hike with a straw, you know, just a regular... Or a piece of uh, surgical tubing. And I'd drink from the streams. I would, and i come out here, and I, I have yet to find... I, I have yet to find a stream... Uh, in this part of the country that I would even touch the water in, you know. Uh, the, if you have a stream behind your house, I'm just gonna, honestly going to warn you, don't let your kids play in it. Don't let your kids play in it, because I won't tell you all the reasons why, you don't need to know, but don't let your kids play in it. But uh, uh, it's not just the Metropolitan Sewer District, it's a lot of things. but. Have you seen a clean stream around here when you could actually see the bottom of the, without, uh, without looking through some sort of grayish, brownish, greenish uh, color? It's just, uh, to me, that's my issue. I, 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 wish, I wish, and I know it could be done differently. I know it could be done differently. It didn't have to be that way. But uh, I long for that day when the, you know, that, that to me is one of the beauties of heaven. When all the things God, the only natural beauty that God chooses to put uh, in this description of heaven in verses, uh, chapters 21 and 22 there, Revelation, the end of Revelation. The only description of the uh, natural beauty he gives us is this river that's clear as crystal coming from the throne of God. And on the sides of it are the, are the, is a tree of life, twelve you know, yielding its fruit every season. It's, it's more than one tree. It's a row of trees down the side of a crystal clear river. And it thrills it it my heart. And, uh, it, it, that we don't have to have the things we have now. We don't have to choose all this stuff, but the, the sinfulness of mankind has... Uh, the greed, the, whatever the reasons. You can put your whole list there why. Uh, it, distress, it doesn't distress me. I, I've accepted it, but it, uh, it doesn't have to be that way, that every stream I walk by, everyone around here. Now, occasionally, occasionally we'll go out to the... When we go hiking on the camping trip, we'll go, and if, you, if the water is clear and cold and coming off something a little bit steep, you know it came from a spring out of the side of the hill. So I'll drink the water. I show everybody that you can drink the water that comes from out of the ground, and it's always clear, and it's drinkable. And I've never gotten sick yet, and I do it every trip on every hike, I drink the water. And I would never drink a drop of water that I would find in Hamilton County, <laughs> ever. And anyway, that's a long story there, to say <laughs> to say that, uh, that that river that's clear as crystal just uh, thr- it thrills my heart to think of the natural beauty. But God's desire, is, he is willing he is willing to afflict all of nature, all the creatures, all of humanity for the purpose of redemption. That he would bring us to him. That he, we would see our sin. We would see our sin. That's the point of it. It's To see our sin and turn to him for forgiveness. That's God's priority. That's the purpose of the scriptures to show us from beginning to end. And if I asked you passages about God's redemption, uh, it would not be one person or ten people. we would all be, have uh, passages we could talk about that talk about how God just longs. For the redemption of humanity, the, the scriptures are replete with that. So, whatever our uh, whatever environmental concerns we have, or fears, or worries, uh, we have to put them in the perspective of God's of what God's hierarchy of perspectives. That uh, now I do have. There is time here for questions. I would gladly take. Um, otherwise, we'll have plenty of time for a brief coffee break between <laughs> services. I think, yeah,
1: I, mean, I think what you mentioned is it's a matter of priority. I mean, the earth is not eternal. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So what is eternal? God is eternal. We're going to be the eternal beings. So someday it's like that's what's the priority.
0: Yeah, it's it's, an, it's a new, cre- there'll be a new creation, right? The salvation of souls. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not like,
1: yeah, I mean, someday, yeah, I mean, if you take care of creation, that's good. But, it's very good. I mean, it, but the priority is salvation of souls. in
0: and I would just add one note to that: is that like when missionaries go out, you know, the, the the primary thing that we long for them to do is is bring mankind. They go to these absolutely degraded areas, and the the suffering around them sometimes is just is just imma- beyond beyond the squalor. You know, uh, is just beyond contemplation this, this, the human suffering. And yet their, their, their purpose and goal is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and our hearts should rejoice in that, That the fact that uh, that's where the, the, uh, the effort of the churches is, is to, is to do what God wants, is that, to bring souls to him. I saw a hand right, but uh, I think Abe's hand was up first, then I think Chris, you're next. Did you have your hand up, Abe? No, I must have seen, I see your hand? It was just Chris. All right, go ahead, Chris.
1: Well, um, I was just thinking, I think the, the primary objective that you there is some
0: danger in terms of establishing priorities based on lack of attention or specific, right? I think that's Excellent point. So on every one of these I, I, I actually grabbed a verse that shows that God has a higher priority. So uh, just to make sure that you... Uh, thank you Chris. I, I'll pay you later for that one.
1: Uh, <laughs> in terms of the uh, you know, our, our love for, for beauty that surrounds there is a command for us to rule over and take care of it. that we don't for instance your camping trip you won't go there just to not appreciate it overly you, you'll, you'll leave it hopefully better if you found it
0: hopefully we always try to yes so, our little campsite is cleaner and uh, the grass may be a little trampled underfoot but uh, it, uh, inherent in that
1: thing, our Christian testimony should be to not pollute so that's number on the one. second thing that Danger. Their attention seems to be drawn from some Roman principles. They, they the light of humanity, that they worship the created things rather than the creator, uh, and so there seems to be like this fine line in terms of that love and care for created who do this now versus our primary purpose of the creator. So again, it's,
0: uh, it's attention, but I think our testimony. The yeah. So to, uh, to those who didn't hear. Uh, Chris's point was twofold. One, the, and I, I, I disagree slightly on the first point that God doesn't tell, set the priorities there. I think it's, it, in my mind, from what I read in the other verse, some of which I didn't share, God clearly has a priority, that he cares more about the provision for mankind than he does about the beauty of nature. He clearly does. And he clearly cares more about salvation than he does about the other things. I know, I know you're not arguing about that one. And that he, it seems to me, and I tell you, this is the one, if you want to find a finer dispute, that he cares more for the animals than he does for the uh, the natural beauty I, I think I see that in a couple of verses I can read them uh, he, he talks about the creation providing for the animals and he talks about his own care for the his own care for the animals but uh, uh, the pri- fact that there's a priority doesn't make the first ones unimportant and that's we see that in a uh, a lot of uh, the, the fact that something could be is more important than something else doesn't make the other ones. Jesus will say that in moral issues. He says, you know, you, you give a, a 10 of your, of your mint and your cumin and rue, and you neglect justice and mercy. The more weighty matters of the law. He says, you should have done the first, the latter, without neglecting the first. So he's saying, it's still important. The tithe was important. And it was, a, it was good that you went and did that, but you missed the priority of the law. And I think that, that we are in danger we, are, we can be in danger of missing the priority that God has in the Scriptures, which seems very clear to me. He cares about the salvation of souls. He cares about the provision of mankind. He also cares about the natural beauty and the the natural creatures. He does, and he cares about it. And uh, to say that he doesn't because this one is so much more important it would be wrong. He does care about those things. And the uh, other point, uh, the other point was that, uh, um, oh, that uh, we have to. We, and the danger is that we put the creation over the Creator that we we look at the natural beauty, we look at the created things and then we worship and uh, serve them, which you know our societies societies throughout the world have done through since the since the fall they 've put the creation and the created things above uh, above God or made them god cliff
1: yeah i I agree with everything, you know, sort of been But I just want to put a different thought, not not against it, like But again, when I see the beauty of the earth and all the things you've described, and, so forth, and this being a temporary setup, it only tells me that what we are going to is going to be a thousand times better. Yeah,
0: I've gone to prepare a place for you.
1: God, who loves the beauty, created the flowers and the beauty. that we're not going to have even greater sense of those things even in heaven. Yeah, I know we mentioned the, 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 uh, the, the city. Somehow I don't think heaven's just going to be a city.
0: It seems to be a city and the earth. A new earth, new heavens, a new think, earth.
1: You know, that I think the beauty is going to be beyond imaginable. But Absolutely. I do agree that the top is, the, it is salvation. So that's what I'm saying. I won't ever take away from that point. I think we do need the, the emphasis of beauty that God has created. He's on
0: purpose. He's on purpose. Yeah, it is clear. He, he created these beautiful things for mankind to enjoy. He absolutely did, and he wants us to. And uh, uh, it's just—it's um, just a matter of priority that we have to say one provision for mankind is more important than the natural beauty. He cares about more about that, and he cares more about uh, salvation than all the others. Uh, far more than all the others. That's—that's I mean, that's the purpose of the Scripture. Shawna
1: that is in Africa. We're talking about sort of squalid conditions and we went into this um, the slum where we're in Uganda and it was funny we were expecting to go and walk into the gospel and just talk about Jesus and we walk into this woman's home and the moment we walk in her door, it's uh, you know, probably a 5 by 5 room. She sleeps on dirty sheets. An older woman, she sells like, she boils water and puts in repurposed bottles to sell as people are walking home like, the most dire conditions you could have ever imagined. When you walk in her presence and you can feel the Holy Spirit like, emanating from her, I'm pretty sure she has never actually seen her, her streams or the true beauty of creation as he intended, it, but yet she knew God better than I could have ever dreamed of. And so just realizing that, yes, God's beauty in creation is for us to look at him and realize what he's made,
0: Thank you very much, Shauna. That the that the, the beauty that the beauty that a soul has can and can radiate when having been saved, even in those desperate and squalid situations, it's a it's a tremendous testimony to the power of God and the the salvation that He's given us. It's a and that that's as I said, that is what uh, we long for our missionaries to do with those people. We commend them to this work. We Support them to bring the gospel to people whose whose life whole lifetime is going to be suffering, and that's unlikely to be changed just because the gospel comes. But they'll have salvation, and they'll have that uh, that joy, that radiance, that that beauty that only God can give to uh, to humanity. That's a we'll closing prayer. Father, we thank you for the care that you have for us. That you you would send your Son to die uh, a painful, torturous death at the hands of wicked men to Who conspired against him uh, and he did that he endured that so that we might have uh, an inheritance that we might be saved that we might have a a beauty uh, in Christ and a joy uh, incorruptible and uh, we just uh, thank you that uh, uh, for all that you've uh, done for us and we do pray that we would uh, uh, give your son all the honor and glory that he deserves for the, the the payment he made for our sins we pray this in Jesus name